0: This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. We have a dog. Her name is Sasha. She's almost four. She's a standard poodle. She's got curly, fluffy, soft, black hair, and she's very adorable, and she's a part of our family, and we care a lot about taking good care of her. And that includes feeding her high-quality dog food like Merrick's. Founded in Hereford, Texas, Merrick has been crafting high-quality dog food for over 30 years. Real is Merrick's recipe. They always use deboned meat, fish, or poultry as the number one ingredient. Merrick creates home-style recipes like real Texas beef and sweet potato or Grammy's pot pie, so you can feel good about what you're feeding your pet. I mean, you know, you come home from being out, and your dog is there to greet you, and, like, that's one of the best things about having a pet, you know? You come home, the dog's happy to see you, and they're hungry. And you want to reciprocate that good feeling they give you when you walk in the door, you want to give to them in the form of some high-quality food. So check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Yeah, so you guys may know this already, but this is a food podcast. Yeah, uh, But like, we also like to have fun and, and um, you know, talk about, get to know people by talking about food. So it's not, like our motto is it's not for foodies, it's for eaters. Great. So no special food expertise is required. Well, we're, we're big eaters. We might even be we might even be foodies. What makes you say
1: that? Well, uh, one of our main pastimes is exploring and finding uh, great restaurants. So, I mean, what else is there?
0: Right. <laughs> that huh. does sound like foodie talk, Moshe.
1: Yeah, I mean, how else could you qualify? I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, can I ask you, have we begun? Yeah. Oh, we're do. Oh, Oh, okay. Hey, Natasha, turn it up.
2: Well, I was saving a story about why we're foodies (laughs) for when we
1: do the podcast. Listen, we were not even. Just if you're listening right now, what you've heard the last 45 to 90 seconds is us (laughs) when we're off. So buckle up because things are about to change. (laughs) Now, what was your question?
0: This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Today on the show, my guests are husband and wife comedians Natasha Legero and Moshe Kasher. They often perform stand-up together, as they did on Netflix in what they called their honeymoon special. In one bit, they talk about Natasha's conversion to Judaism before their marriage.
2: I was raised Catholic, and it's much easier to become Christian.
1: Yeah, it's a really complicated thing to become Jewish, but Christianity...
2: Christianity, you just have to like walk to a mall and walk by a lady's footwalker and they hand you a Bible, and then you're Christian. Like, that's all that's involved.
1: Jews are like, there's a lot involved.
2: Why do Jews make it so hard to convert? I don't know, we don't want you. But you would think they would want more members since that membership drop-off that happened a while ago. (laughs) Jewish, I can say that.
0: (laughs) Later in the honeymoon stand-up special, they call couples up to both roast them and offer them relationship advice. They offer similar types of advice in their podcast, The Endless Honeymoon. Natasha and Moshe do also work and perform separately. In 2012, Moshe wrote a funny, powerful memoir called Kasher in the Rye, a play on his last name. The subtitle is the true tale of a white boy from Oakland who became a drug addict, criminal, mental patient, and then turned 16. Natasha is well-known as a creator and star of the Comedy Central show, Another Period. Last year, she published a book of essays about motherhood called The World Deserves My Children. As I said, they have their own podcast, which was quickly evident when we spoke recently because they started off asking me questions. What do you think is the most delicious fast food item? Item? Like, like, like not from, like from a specific place?
1: Yeah, or? I'm not asking for the greatest fast food place, but I'm talking the greatest dish
0: at, available <laughs> at fast food. Uh,
2: I know what mine is. What is are your... we
0: talking? Old school greasy fast food, or like are, do any? The, any? I would probably go the burger at Shake Shack. Okay, so that's a Shake Shack good, burger.
1: That's a pretty good New York
0: centric answer. I yeah. Would... If you If you want me to go like like old school fast food, I would say the Burger King chicken sandwich. Oh, okay, okay.
2: Have you had the In and Out burger?
0: I have. I've I've spent my time in California. I think In-N-Out oh, is good. You're con- you're you being know. condescending. I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. I can I can feel it in your tone. But Shake Shack, Shake
2: Shack to me, the bun is better, but it's a li- the patty's a little salty.
0: What about you guys? I want each of you to tell me your favorite fast food dish. Okay, um, mine is going to be dish. a little little controversial.
1: <laughs> But I would say that the chicken, the, whatever the chicken in the chicken soft taco at Taco Bell is, whatever that slew of redness is, is <laughs> honestly one of the most delicious things, not only that I've tasted at a fast food restaurant, but that I've ever tasted. Moshe. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Listen, the engineer here at the studio is nodding demonstratively yes, okay? Just so you guys know. Then it must be true. Yeah, it's got to be true. Mine is um, a
2: cheeseburger at in and out cl- Shake Shack, close second, and then any other fast food I will not eat. <laughs> Except I do remember thinking a Chicken McNugget was good.
1: Those are yeah. pretty rough. Rough? I don't know. They just don't feel like—
2: Sometimes they're like different colors. Like
1: I know. I Did you know this? That, and I don't know if you had an agenda for this uh, interview, but uh, it looks like that's over with.
0: <laughs> Eventually, the conversation did settle into some semblance of order. I started off by asking Natasha about the foods she ate growing up.
2: I'm from Rockford, Illinois, and I didn't really even have sushi until I was like 23. So. Yeah,
0: no, the fancy
1: restaurant that Natasha used to eat at was the local Beefaroo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Beefaro is like Moshe thinks it's so funny because of the name, but it's a Rockford staple, and it's like a, it's like where you get like roast beef sandwiches to go, like it's like a drive-in.
0: Okay, gotcha. I will- but there's a
2: lot of like um, online. There's a lot of reviews of Beefaroo. People giving reviews in their car.
1: <laughs> Just a guy in his car
2: in Rockford.
1: Yeah, making deep eye contact with the camera, going Burger King, nope, <laughs> Beefaro. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy's? Nope. beef <Beef-a-roo>. a <laughs> And it was a very compelling argument, honestly. It made me want to go.
2: You would not like it.
0: And am I right, Natasha? Like, your parents split up when you were pretty young, so you, it was you and your mom was working, so it was like you were you were kind of the mom figure to your younger brothers.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. My, I mean, I, My mom was very present, but also, yes, I was kind of in charge of the cooking, and I would help, I would iron, and I would pack their lunches, and we all went to Catholic school, so they all had, like, I had to iron their uniforms. Oh, this
1: is so cute.
2: <laughs> I cleaned. I babysat. I always had a job. I, I worked at a grocery store. I had two paper routes. The good
1: news is um, things really changed one night when there was a big ball that was being held in the center of town. <laughs> and her stepsisters got invited, but she didn't. But she snuck off. <laughs>
2: I was kind of in charge of making dinner every night. So what I would make is this little thing called Lipton Rice and Soup Mix. And it's like a packet or it's like Lipton Rice dishes. Oh,
1: yeah. When Natasha and I first started dating, she straight up bragged unironically. She's like, no one can open an envelope of food and make a dish with it better than I can.
2: (laughs) No, I'm good at microwaving. I know the right dishes that can be microwaved. I'm pretty much an expert in all things. Like, I know how much water to measure. I know, like... You know, I know, you know, you don't want it too watery. So I would make like one of these Lipton rice dishes for my f- brothers every night. And then we would go out to eat. There was one restaurant called Lino's, an Italian restaurant we would go to. And then there was one Chinese restaurant called The Great Wall.
1: Oh, and didn't your no grandma?
2: No Thai, no sushi. Oh, my, my grandma made the salads at one of the Italian restaurants in town.
1: Well, tell them about <laughs> it. It's an interesting story. Oh, right? yeah.
2: So my dad would, My dad told me that she was older. Or no, she didn't have a sense of smell. Oh No, she didn't have a t- sense of taste. So she had to, <laughs> she would make the salad and then have to smell it to see if it was right.
1: Is that how the story goes? That's
2: what he said. Because he said she was. What's your
0: recollection of the story, Moshe?
1: I don't know. I remember hearing it and being intrigued, but when Natasha just told it, it felt like a lie. Did it not feel like that to you? (laughs) No,
2: I remember my dad because my dad made us the same salad when he came to visit, and he told us the story, and then said how she would sniff to see if there was enough oil, vinegar, onion, etc. And it's the old style Italian salad, which has like hard boiled egg, chunks of meat, cheese, olive oil, pepper, pepperonis. Balsamic, that kind of thing. Her
1: dad came up to me the other day. He's like a, you know, classic Italian guy, pinky ring and all that. And he's like, you know, um, probably has had limited interaction with the Jews, although he does live in Florida now, so maybe there's been some more. And he goes, he's like, now Moshe, do you like garlic? I was like, yeah, I like garlic. He's like, and how about uh, linguini? Do you like? Do you know what linguini is? I'm like, yeah, John, I know what linguini is. He's like, now do you like? I mean, it was like, it was like basically a guy going, do you like? Stuff that's right. good? Do you like good <laughs> stuff at all?
0: <laughs> yeah, I do. So that's a bit of Natasha's backstory. Today, she's moved beyond food in packets. She's into sushi, for example. But Moshe is the one who's really into food. And he's always been that way.
2: When he was a little boy in San Francisco, Oakland, his, for his birthday every year. Oh, keep
1: in mind, by the way, that uh, I, I was raised with... a a deaf mother a deaf single mother who was on welfare so we're very poor as she tells you this tale
2: but also all moshe wanted for his birthday since he was a little kid is to go to a fancy restaurant so Mm -hmm. his mom would take him on his birthday every year
1: yeah she would say a place
2: they couldn't afford
1: once a year we would go to like a kind of a a high-end restaurant and we would have like a special meal on my birthday so i've been i've been you know um obnoxiously and pretentiously sucking juices off of my fingertips since I was a very little boy on welfare in Oakland.
2: Since we're roasting people right now, Moshe, why don't you explain your um your diet, what foods you can't eat.
1: I don't want to get into that. I got a very <laughs> <The>
2: food g- <laughs> podcast. All
1: right, here's the deal: I don't eat pork or shellfish ever because you know that's a Jew thing. Got that's it. a Jew thing, and I just you know saying you'll you know,
2: eat regular chicken.
1: I'll eat regular chicken, but
2: only kosher beef. Only kosher
1: beef and lamb, and, and stuff. and then you
2: won't eat fish that have fins in a certain way.
1: I, I don't eat. Well, I'll try to avoid all the. Um, Non-kosher fishes, although I can't really keep track of what they like, are. Like, isn't
2: swordfish not kosher?
1: You know,
0: swordfish, I think, is one of those borderline ones.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, I think the conservative Jews eat swordfish, but the Orthodox don't. Yeah, so. like, it
0: depends on what which rabbi you, you is cooking for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, if it's a Charlie tuna, he's all for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I try to avoid dairy products because, just because—
2: Except for dessert.
1: Except for dessert. But I also really like cheese. And it's very complicated, but I don't like raw tomatoes, and that has nothing to do with ideology or my body. It's just the way
0: that I am. Do your quasi-kosher habits actually have anything to do with religious belief, or is it more like cultural? Like, this is how you were raised, and at a certain point, it's just too weird.
1: Well, the answer is kind of yes to both. Uh, Basically, the reason I started making dietary changes with pork and shellfish and kosher stuff is not necessarily because I believe it has any intrinsic value, but because I wanted to infuse my eating especially my consumption of meat with slightly more mindfulness. And I thought, you know, here I am, a Jew. I might as well take this system of mindfulness to reduce my meat consumption. Since I want to do that anyway, why not infuse, you know, spirituality of some sort even into my eating choices?
0: Um, Moshe, why did you want to go to fancy restaurants when you were a kid? I don't
1: know why. I I, I guess I had like a strangely— developed palate when i was a kid there was always something that was really exciting about going to a restaurant especially i think because we were so poor and so primarily we were it wasn't really sustenance eating but it was definitely like you know co-op in bulk bags of beans and things like that so that when i got an opportunity to experience food not necessarily as just a uh staff of life thing, but as an experiential thing. It was, like, super exciting to me and always was. I don't know where I got that from, honestly, because I'm kind of the only person in my family who's, like, could be classified as, like, a, a foodie.
0: Right. There was a story that uh, that I read that one of you told about a time kind of earlier in your relationship when you guys stayed at a hotel in New Orleans. Well, most I... remember and I, this. We,
2: like, when we first started dating, we started realizing, like, okay... How are we going to—because, like, I like to stay at nice hotels, and Moshe thinks that hotels should cost $100 a night. And so I would just, I guess, lie to him about how much it costs.
0: <laughs> it's not a. It's so not you, an you I would get. book the hotel and not tell him that it was as, as expensive as it was? Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. That's such a charitable interpretation.
1: She <laughs> would book the hotel and tell me a price. That was a lie. That was not the, the right, not the But price. then
2: you'd only have to pay, like, if I told you it was $200, you only had to pay 100 Because I always tell them, please don't mention the rate when we check in. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also tell them, please make sure you don't put a bill under the door.
1: Right. Uh, but, but then
2: this idiot put a bill under the door.
1: Right. And we did get into a fight. It became a big fight because it was – you know, I I felt slighted or wronged because it was of the dishonesty or whatever. But it ended up – I think this is what you're getting at. It ended up with a nice – Solution. Peaceable kingdom solution, which was that I would pay – even though now we have joint checking accounts, we still do this. I would pay for all of the meals and she would pay for all of the hotels and I would never ask how much the hotel was. And it created a harmonious area in a relationship where there used to be friction. And in what's funny about it all is I really thought that I like you know, I I won. But now I realize we eat three times a day. We stay at a hotel room <laughs> maybe like ten times a year. <laughs> I think I got the raw end of the deal actually.
0: But but is it are you also Moshe, the one where like Eating at rest like pick having some sort of power or control or say over the restaurant is more important to you than it is to Natasha, it sounds like Like, she's like, Natasha, you care more about the hotel, and Moshe, you care more about the food. That's That's true.
1: That's exactly right. And I think we both sort of identified that. We identified that, like—and I feel like a lot of couples, when they fight, they're fighting—you know, they always say that couples are having, like, the same three fights over and over again. And that was definitely true for us. We're having the same fight about the same issue, and we just found a way to sidestep the issue altogether. I don't think we've really had an argument about money since. (laughs)
0: You hear that story and you can understand why Natasha and Moshe have a podcast where they offer relationship advice to other couples, right? Well, coming up, we turn this podcast into their podcast when my wife, Janie, calls in for advice. Stick around. And now, a delicious word from our sponsors. Mm-mm. It's very good. In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook. And now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in, in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, they don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best Buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyard has so many different kinds of wine, whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. They got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Papin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready for warmer weather? I know I am. But is your wardrobe ready? I just stocked up on spring and summer clothing at Quince. And let me tell you something. I feeling great about everything I got. I got a couple of short sleeve button down shirts, polo shirt, some shorts. Everything feels great. It's super high quality. And I can't believe how much stuff I got at a reasonable price. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Whatever you need for the spring and summer, Quince has your back. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash Sporkful for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Sporkful to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Sporkful. I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know the peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's sticks? they are wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate. I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. In last week's show, reporter Samia Bazile tells the story of how couscous became a political lightning rod in France. Couscous is one of the most popular dishes in France, but it's also a symbol of North African immigration, which in some quarters makes it controversial. Can couscous ever become a French food? Samia's mother emigrated to France from Algeria, a former French colony. She remembers trying the dish for the first time at a restaurant.
1: The grains weren't cooked. You have to steam it, you have to take the time to cook it. But it was uncooked. And all this meat, these greasy Merguez sausages, this chopped meat, everything was so oily. It was unbelievable.
0: In this episode, Samia looks at what happens when foods like couscous, bun mi, and pho get adopted into French culture, and how people from these formerly colonized countries feel about it. That episode's up now. Check it out. Now back to my conversation with comedians Natasha Legero and Moshe Kasher. Janie will join us by phone in a few minutes, but first we have a little more ground to cover. As you heard, Moshe is Jewish. Natasha converted to Judaism when they got married. I wanted to get their quick takes on some Jewish culinary staples. So I picked a few entries from Tablet Magazine's list of the 100 most Jewish foods and told Natasha and Moshe it was time for a lightning round. All right, let's do it. Lightning round. Okay, lightning round. First up, Hydrox cookies. That's a Jewish food? Those are the ones that
1: don't have pork in them.
0: Right, well, Oreos are now kosher, but originally Oreos were not kosher, and actually Hydrox came first before Oreos.
1: Yeah, I remember we could eat those, and I remember there was a Muslim kid in my class named Khalil, and the one thing we bonded over was that we both couldn't eat Oreos. So yes to Hydrox, yes to Khalil, yes to Islam.
0: (laughs) Natasha? I don't know, they
2: seem like they might be dry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Without the pork fat, without the gelatin or whatever it is? (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. All right, next one. Matzah brai.
2: Don't get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like I know you're so many people who are
2: like, "It's so delicious," and then every time it comes, it's like wet crackers.
0: I know.
1: I want to like it. It's a food that I want to like. Another one on the list: the used tea bag. What?
2: These are the yes, top. T- wait, foods? is this
1: the top sex positions? <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: This is Tablet how bad magazine. Jewish food is. Use Tablet
0: insists bag. that this is a Jewish thing to like, make tea from a tea bag and then put the tea bag aside and save it so you can use it to make tea again later. Well, that and doesn't I can't sound say like, like a Jewish food. It sounds like a Jewish stereotype. Racist. I know. Although I have to tell you that my wife uh, takes, she makes herself tea in the morning and the tea bag stays in the glass and she refills the water over the course of the day. But she would probably say that it's. Um, just because she likes it Not too strong Not because she's tr- Well she may She's pretty frugal She may be trying to save money And it's a bargain Alright <laughs> <laughs> right, one more for you Yep Rosh Hashanah The Jewish New Year Just passed Sure Apples and honey The best Best combo of all time
2: What's even better Is what you serve it with Which is grilled cheese Or fried foods
0: Wait
1: no Ooh. That's Hanukkah I think Wait mixing-
2: well, Didn't we have apples and honey And then also we had grilled cheese with That it. had
1: nothing to do with Rosh Hashanah That's what we had on hand honey <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was I, believe, so good. I believe it was Maimonides was Who said um, No but that sounds Like a great idea Though Natasha I think that you're right That the the cool crisp Of it was delicious. the apple And the sweetness Of the honey Would go really well With the grilled cheese I think that makes Total sense And
1: also uh, Grilled cheese With honey on it Is not bad At yeah, all Yeah
2: We should always 100%. do that For Rosh Hashanah
1: Really good You haven't mentioned The greatest Jewish food Of all time to, For my money Which is which, what Which is If you leave aside The potato kanish Is chalant that is my favorite Jewish really? food. It's, you know, Jewish. It's basically Jewish stew. And it's the most delicious thing we've done.
2: Matzo ball soup. That's what I pick. That's
1: pretty
0: good. Matzo ball soup's your favorite, Natasha? Yes. How fluffy or firm do you like your matzo balls? Great question. Thank you.
2: Firm but fluffy.
1: Oh, great answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is I don't that... want it falling apart. Like I like that it's like going to be like a ball sitting in the pit of my stomach eventually. But, you know, you don't want it to be like hard.
0: Right. So maybe you, you like a bigger matzo ball that's going to have more textural variation between the perimeter and the center of the ball. Yeah. So in the spirit of your podcast, where you take calls from couples, I am very pleased now to bring in a special guest live on the phone from my house. It's my wife, Jamie.
1: <laughs> Yay, Jamie.
2: How exciting.
0: Hi. We hear you like a dirty teabag. bag.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was listening. <laughs> um actually in my house the whole family shares one tea bag.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's legal but we like it. Yeah. So but Janie I, I was struggling to say for sure is that that's listed under Jewish foods Moshe suggested that it's a Jewish stereotype. Uh do you reuse the same tea bag throughout the day because you like the way the tea tastes or because you like to save money on tea bags?
3: Um I think a little bit of both, you know, in the morning I need like the strong caffeine and then, you know, but I don't, yeah, I feel like it's kind of wasteful. Like using, I don't like the, the tea so strong later in the day, so I'm not going to keep opening, you know, I don't want to open up a new tea bag and then only let it um <laughs> you know, like keep it in the water for like a minute and throw it out. So I'll just reuse the same one.
1: Sure. I mean, tea bags are expensive. You
3: doing PG tips or what? <laughs> yeah, what are you, what's your what's your
1: tea game look like? Lemon Big. lift
3: is what I use in the morning. And then I love lemon at night. Wow, you're healthy. That's your
2: that's your jolt of caffeine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That's impressive.
1: Sometimes you just need a little lemon lift in the morning. Have you heard of coffee, by the way? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I feel like I need
0: coffee at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But sometimes like if I'm home in the afternoon, you'll say like, oh, I'm really tired. And, you know, as if they're like, like, what, what, if if only there was a solution to this problem of feeling tired (laughs) and I'll say, well, would you like me to make you a cup of coffee? And you'll say, oh, right. Coffee. That's the thing. (laughs) And then I usually make you a, a cup of coffee. And then what happens to it? I mean,
3: I, I drink it, but it sometimes sits there for a while. Yeah,
0: I think I usually, we're getting
3: into your pet peeves. Are, are you, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you mean. me to say. Do you, do you want me to say I drink, or I drink it? you either drink it too fast or not fast enough.
0: Yeah. Well, I I often find half of it sitting around the kitchen like six hours later, and then I have to dump it. You guys seem like uh, what I would call a happily married couple. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Moshe and Natasha, is there information that I can, like, you guys take the lead here now. Pretend it's your show. Like, what questions questions do you have for us?
2: Janie, do you have a pet peeve?
0: Yeah, what do you guys fight about the most that
1: is not your fault?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is my fault. (laughs) I believe her.
1: But what's your most common fight about that you would say is not because of something you do, but because, you know.
3: Well, I don't know if Dan would say it's. It's probably not a common fight, but there is something that I do that really drives Dan kind of nuts. Um, You know, one of my pet peeves is that I really don't like when dispenser, like soap or lotion dispensers, like the pump doesn't go to the bottom. So there's like a (laughs) lot left, but you can't pump it out. So I put water, like the soap and like the dishwashing stuff. I put water in to the bottom of it. Sounds kind of um, like your tea so it, situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: know. this is seeming oddly familiar.
3: Right, and you're like, if I can't get yeah, the
1: last right. little drips of soap, I'll just dun- I'll just yeah. dip a little tea bag in there and swirl it around. <laughs> so wait, so Dan, you don't like it when she does that because I wouldn't
2: it, like it either because then it waters everything down. Water exactly. Like
0: I, I go to wash my hands like I want suds. I need to see suds and soap on my hands to feel I like agree. I'm cleaning them and I go and I squirt the soap dispenser on my hand and this, and also because the water is, uh, well because the water down soap is of course more watery um, it shoots out of the soap dispenser it, it with more uh, force. Yeah. It, so you press down the dispenser and it shoots out this like soapy water that, that hits me like in the shirt like, it, like drills me in the chest for the <laughs> Drill, first it squirt. drills you in the <laughs> chest <Yes>. and <laughs> yeah. how, how, how weak limbed <laughs> <weak, laughs> are you? He's
1: like, Ow! Soapy water. (laughs) It
0: drills. (laughs) The the wound is deep, Moshe. It's very deep. I'm I'm doubled over on my kitchen floor.
1: crawling to a matzo ball to, label, to, to just ladle a little bit of soup on it to get some more energy for the rest of my day. Uh, okay, but you know what, Jeannie? I'm actually on your team on this. I, I, I agree that it's very wasteful and I also... It is will, better for the environment. I will water down a little bit of soap. But I also, Dan, I relate to what you're saying. I like a little bit of thickness.
2: Oh my God, I have their answer. I have an answer for her, but I want to hear Dan's...
1: Yeah, Dan, what's yours? What Dan's what, thing first.
2: What,
0: what do you What do you think you guys fight about?
2: Um,
0: Well... Well here's a good one, so like when we're gonna have people over um we both like we we both do a lot like to like the, we're both doing a lot to get ready. I like to do the food because I'm sort of like the one who's I mean Janie is a good cook, but I sort of enjoy cooking more um but I sometimes get a little bit like worked up about you know I want the food to be just right and I want it to be delicious and I want people to eat when it's hot um and Janie. By a
3: little worked up, he means like days of anxiety.
0: <laughs> <laughs> believe me, we be-
1: we're on your team. We heard the drill me in the chest uh, <laughs> snippet, so we believe you. <laughs>
0: So it's something that we struggle with because, like, I want to be relaxed when we have people over and I want to, like, you know, hang out with friends and socialize and all that. Um, but you know, the flip side is that, like, we wake up at seven or seven thirty in the morning. We have kids, so we're up. People are coming at noon, and to me, it's like to get ready for. Sometimes it's ten or fifteen people coming to our house from seven a.m. to noon is not that much time to cook and clean and get the house ready. And Janie will be like looking at her computer, or checking Facebook for an hour. She's like, "We have plenty of time. We have plenty of time." And then at a certain point, she suddenly. Freaks out and says, "Oh my God, we have to, like they're gonna be here soon." And I'm like, "Yeah, I was been trying to say that we need to like pick up the pace here a little bit." So I feel like sometimes my anxiety is justified. Ah, uh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Can I
2: take this one?
0: Yeah, Tosh, please.
2: Okay, so well, you chime in, but I just feel like I have an answer.
0: Thanks, hon, I will.
1: <laughs> I just felt like you drilled me in the chest rhetorically. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, I found out about these things. I know this is very obvious, but they have all these little things that are like these foam things you can buy. And all you do is put in a little bit of soap, and it automatically comes out as a foam. It, like, mixes with water. Mm. You can put a little bit of soap and water in it. And then it mixes, and so you always have, like, a nice foamy thing.
0: It's got the aerator pump that kind of, yes. like, foams it. Yes. Fo- right, right, right. Okay, it's all kinda right. It's kind of
2: awesome. I bought it. I put a little little bit of Dr. Bronner's in it, and I had, like, foamy soap for, like, weeks. It's great.
1: And wait, but what about the other thing, which well, is that Genie, the- Genies out here, like, painting her nails and getting a tan and going for bungee jumping lessons and going for a swim in the sea. (laughs) And then Dan's there like, "Uh, honey, the matzo ball soup, the matzo balls haven't been rolled yet.
2: Well, Moshe and I also entertain. Yeah. And what I usually do is do everything. And then give Moshe a few little things he's in charge of. Like I say, Moshe, make a playlist. And then he would make like the best playlist, way better than I could ever do. Like we have a Hanukkah party every year. And he made like this playlist that was like part Jewish rock mute, like any any Jewish rock stars and then like actual Jewish Music that was really good. You just right. found I mean, all this great stuff.
1: I think that what Natasha's getting at
2: Delegate is, what you're good at.
1: Yeah, what Natasha's getting at is something that we've been... It actually comes back to the, the fight about the hotel and the restaurant, is that we've been very good at figuring out the things that the two of us are capable of doing and, and setting our expectations exactly there. Because, like, 90% of fights between people are because... Uh, expectations that you already know aren't going to be met are not met and you're going why are my expectations not been met so Jeannie will probably always lag on making the matzo balls Dan so probably you need to get up at 6 instead of 7 and not get up at 7 and wonder where is Jeannie because she's busy and Dan, trying to get a bargain she's been she's so pumped up on Lemon Lift that she can't stay in the house one more hour She's she got to run. That, she's got to run that energy out
2: and Dan you don't know what it's like being a woman she wants to have her nails painted it for the party,
0: <laughs> I made up the nail painting <laughs> thing. I right. Think. Yeah. In fairness, I thought that J- was the issue. J- Janie, you know, gets showered and dressed in about 12 minutes. So she's not someone who requires a lot of uh, primping. Um, I think she's just more of a procrastinator. Is that fair to say, yeah. Janie? Yeah.
3: And I think that we are pretty good at, um, like, division of labor. Dan's in the kitchen, but I'm setting up the table and putting the chairs out and, you know, maybe getting the drinks ready. Uh, but I do save it to the last minute, which stresses him out. Um, and it stresses me out, but I think that's just I, – I save everything to the last minute. Well, you, so I you, think that's just – Kind of how I operate. You
1: know, there was a saying in 12-step in groups that was, my resentments are directly proportional to my expectations. And I think that that is probably true <laughs> in your Lower your
3: expectations. Well, just, you know,
1: you already have the information, Dan. It's not ever going to change. You, this is, Jeannie is the woman that you married. And so get up at six and start rolling them balls.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was not what he wanted to hear. <laughs>
0: Sorry, dude. <laughs> so who's doing what, Janie, for our, for our next barbecue?
2: Dan's um, doing it all.
3: You You're cooking the pork chops, and Jeannie's
0: buying the foam.
3: Well, how expensive is this foam dispenser? Uh, get you know? out of right. here. It's
1: about,
0: like, for,
1: <laughs> just to put it in terms that you'll understand, it's about probably will cost you about 42
0: tea bags. <laughs> <laughs> Forty-two? Well, Moshe, that's, that's about two years worth of tea teabags. <laughs> that's a lot. You're right. I said too
1: many. I, I overshot. There's no way yeah. you guys. You know what? Maybe you guys should look into relationship counseling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Janie, thanks so much for calling in. You're thanks, great. Thanks, Janie. Thanks, Love Janie. you. Thanks. Love, love, me, you. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Lo- love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Moshe and Natasha, thank you guys so much. I love all your work. I love the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thanks again, you guys. Really appreciate it. Take thank care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye. 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 That's Natasha Legero and Moshe Kasher. You can find the Honeymoon Stand-Up Special on Netflix. Their podcast is the Endless Honeymoon Podcast, and they also have a YouTube channel for their podcast. That's at youtube.com slash honeymoon. Next week on the show, I head to elementary school to find out what kids really talk about at lunchtime. And my friend Kenji Lopez-Alt tells me how he packs lunch for his kids every day using a popular, maybe a little controversial item, the bento box. That's next week. In the meantime, don't forget to check out last week's show all about Couscous Gate. Yes, they really called it that when a far-right politician in France ate couscous because couscous is seen as a symbol of North African immigration. It's a complicated issue, and we explore it. Check it out. This show was originally produced by Anne Sandy and Gofana Putubwele and edited by Peter Clowney. Our team now includes senior producer, Emma Morgenstern, and producer, Andres O'Hara. Our engineer is, Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. Sporkful is a production of Stitcher Studios. Our executive producers are Colin Anderson and Nora Ritchie. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman.
3: I'm Rachel from Scotch Plains, New Jersey, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better.
2: NetCredit is here to say yes because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or Lending Partner Banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at Netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the
0: people. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.